Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? I'm a lot more energized at this point this week than I would be if we had had the annual meeting, Amy. I would say so. I thought about that earlier. So Thursday is actually the day when like, I'm trying to get sort of packed up and, and headed out. And then so I get, I'm pretty slow, but then Friday when I, if I'm back home, I can barely move. And so today we're recording this on Friday. I thought about it this morning. I was like, wow, I'm just having a normal day. And that's, that's not typical. Yeah. A lot of people have had the, what if we were in Orlando right now moment this week and just realizing, wow, we really miss being together. And while I'm not nearly as tired as I would be if I was in Orlando right now, that too. Right. We've had a lot of conversations in our house about that. So Mary, our 16-year-old, really loves... She, she. There's a lot of things she loves about the SBC, but I'm sure it would be no surprise. What she loves the most is when we're there in the convention hotel and it's connected to the convention center and, you know, she's at an age where she gets to have a lot of independence. So mom and dad are busy doing things, have meetings. And so she gets a room key and she can just kind of go hang out at the exhibit hall, go catch up with people, see folks. And uh, so she's mentioned that a couple of times this week that she really, she, she really misses that. And, and Drew misses the bucket of wings at the hotel pool. Right. Drew could care less about any of the the things that are, are going on. That was, uh, that's always my favorite when people would say, yeah, we saw your kid with a big bucket of wings over there in the, in the corner or whatever. And so yeah. he enjoyed his independence as well. Usually translated yes, to does. food. Yeah. You know what we really enjoy at the SBC annual meeting every year is sending missionaries. And unfortunately yes. we're not able to meet this year to send those missionaries, but the International Mission Board this week commissioned 61 missionaries in a virtual sitting celebration on Tuesday night. Yeah, so this was really, really exciting to read about, to see, because even though we miss being together, we, don't, we didn't get to see it, sort of experience it all together. It's, it's really a great thing, because the reason we had to cancel was because of a global pandemic. And of course, there's all the economic fallout, the challenges that come from that, health challenges, everything. And so to see us sending out 61 missionaries in the midst of that, that's a very encouraging thing. Absolutely. And uh, so there were 59 who were approved. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago at the most recent IMB trustee meeting, and they had two holdovers from the previous meeting. So that's where they got the 61 missionaries being sent across the globe to take the gospel to the nations. Congratulations to each and every one of them. And uh, one of our largest sending classes we've seen in some time, Amy. That's, that's really, really cool. So very excited for the IMB and for those who are going out and looking forward to next year to the next time we can be all together and have the sending ceremony uh, as a group. Yes. And one final note on the IMB, just a, a quick congratulations and retirement wishes for Clyde Metter, who is re-retiring. I think we, we even talked about Clyde's retirement on the podcast before. He's been at IMB, came back and served some more with them and has announced his re-retirement. So there's a quick little story at Baptist Press about that. So Clyde, congratulations. Thank you for your 45 years of service 
to Southern Baptists. Amy, the North American Mission Board trustees typically meet on the Monday before the annual meeting. They met again this year virtually. Uh, Not a huge amount of news, but do want to point out that they are continuing to watch the budget because of COVID-19 and the global pandemic that has hurt them on the revenue side because we've seen the the CP drops and the Annie Armstrong drops that we've we've talked about in the past couple of episodes. Uh, They do want folks to know that they are not cutting funding to church planters and missionaries across North America. So that is still 100% funded, and they've been able to offset uh, expenses on other sides to uh, match those revenue declines. They also approved a financial report that they sent to the Women's Missionary Union accounting for how funds from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering are spent. They also elected some new officers, Amy, and friends of the pod here, all three of them. Yeah. Danny DeArmas, elected chairman. He's senior associate pastor at First Baptist Church of Orlando. Eric Thomas, senior pastor of First Baptist Church, Norfolk, Virginia. He was elected first vice chairman. And Willie Rice, pastor of Calvary Church in Clearwater, Florida, elected second vice chairman. Yeah, they also uh, honored Larry Robertson, who completed his service as a trustee at 10 years. He's the pastor at Hildale Baptist Church in Clarksville, Tennessee. All right. Up to North Carolina, Amy, a very tough and difficult story. I had mentioned this in the morning briefing about a week and a half ago, but North Carolina pastor Jason Rowe had passed away on June 2nd. Uh, Apparently that came via suicide uh, as law enforcement agents were investigating an allegation of criminal sexual misconduct against Rowe uh, whenever they uh, received the call about his death. So in an interview with Baptist Press, the chairman of the deacons, Tom Collins, Uh, mentioned that a 17-year-old male church member brought a credible allegation of sexual abuse against Roe. Collins said, quote, The victim was a church member and obviously were concerned and focused on the victim and the family. Uh, The church, Conway Baptist, has made counseling available to church members who are hurting, and they plan to give a full report to the church body when the Conway Police Department completes its investigation. Roe was also a former employee and student at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he lived in campus housing for five years. The school sent an email to residents who lived in the same apartment complexes as Roe from 2014 to 2018. Uh, the message, signed by Southeastern President Danny Aiken, informed more than 800 current and former students about the allegation against Roe and encouraged them to report any alleged inappropriate behavior to an independent firm who is working with the seminary. As you can imagine, and uh, we'll we'll just go full disclosure here, that I worked at, at Southeastern Seminary since 2014 until I began work at the executive committee. And so, as you would imagine, this is a, a this was a challenging story uh, for me. I appreciate you covering it there, but just want to be honest and transparent. And uh, Jason actually even worked part-time in a part-time capacity on my team for a, a time assisting with social media. So this, I can just say, it has been a very difficult situation in this community. We know and are, are praying and concerned for the community at Conway Baptist Church. You know, when something like this comes, it's a, it's a shock and, and uh, that the actual, you know, details of this sort of unfolded over the course of several days. And so starting with just learning about the death of someone we knew, we didn't even know how it happened. You you just have stages of letting this sort of process and, and sink in. I don't know exactly how to reflect on this, except to say there's tremendous grief and sorrow on multiple levels 
Um, but it is important that any victims receive the care that, that it seems like Conway is, is doing. And it is important that as Southeastern has done to see that no other uh, people have been harmed, but this is just a challenging thing. And I would imagine that a lot of our listeners who are active on social media probably knew and interacted with Jason. So had some of the the same emotions um, themselves. And this is just one of those things I think we all have to, to walk through together and really just pray for, for those involved. And it's okay to kind of experience all the, the different layers of emotion and, and shock. I know you did as well. So just one of those, one of those tough things. Absolutely. Uh, we moved to Mississippi, Amy, we're the interim student pastor at First Baptist Church of Yazoo City, Mississippi. Woke up about a week and a half ago to find a racial slur keyed into the side of his car. Yes, this was awful to hear about. Um, so Tiki Broom, he's the interim student pastor at, as you said, First Baptist Yazoo City. He got up Tuesday morning. He's been outspoken about racial injustice and had received some backlash via social media. But then he saw his car vandalized and not just, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a, a, a racial slur that was keyed into the side, the actual word written, um, said he was initially angry, but then he decided that sharing the experience would help expose some of what is going on to say this, this is real. What's what happens. So he shared it on Facebook and it got, you know, a, a good amount of attention. He got some offers from individuals and local businesses to help repair. But, but one thing that's been unique is he really has used that uh, incident as a way to share the gospel. He said in a TV interview, you should see Christ, you should see love, and you should see how do I, to the best of my abilities, love others. Um, so he, he has been trying to, to speak clearly about, about the gospel. Um, the interim pastor at First Baptist Yazoo City said, we are all so saddened. We were all so saddened and disgusted when we heard of this incident of racial prejudice and the church family has been working to support, assist, encourage, and pray for Tiki during this difficult time. We are also thankful and praying for the law enforcement officials who are investigating this incident. And we pray that whoever did this horrendous act will be brought to justice, but most importantly, they will be brought to repentance, salvation, and spiritual transformation by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and salvation in Jesus Christ. So kind of a, 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 it's a difficult thing, but you know, it is important for us to be faced with the reality of incidents like this. So that's why I think it's a story that needs to be told. Absolutely. Amy, it's really sad to see uh, one of our ministers in the SBC having to go through this. There was no announcement yet on any investigation results or anything like that. If we do find that, we will bring that to you later if uh, they do make an arrest in this case. Some news from Guidestone, Amy. They got a new chief insurance officer, Dr. Chu So, a longtime healthcare industry executive and retired Air Force officer, has joined Guidestone as the chief insurance officer. Yeah, very cool. So he served as uh, most recently chief operating officer for a large health sharing organization. And so he, he helped to grow that from 23,000 households in 2013 to more than 150,000 households last year. That's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a, a great resume. And so it sounds like his experience will really come uh, to the table and Guidestone does so much. I mean, they, uh, 
with mission dignity, with retirement, with just all the different uh, areas. But insurance is one that I think a lot of us think about on a more daily basis. And so it's important to have a good chief insurance officer to help with those healthcare needs. In the role, he will oversee all of Guidestone's health and welfare plans, as well as its property and casualty lines of business, including product development, sales, and customer service. Some other news, some sad news. From Guidestone, John Ambra, longtime Mission Dignity leader, uh, suffered a stroke last Saturday evening in his home near Dallas. Uh, the last we heard, he was in ICU at a hospital in the Dallas area. This really hit me hard when I heard th- this news. I think John Ambra is—he just—he is Mister Mission Dignity. I mean, he's—he re- really loves those people, the retired ministers, the widows, um, he takes care of them. He is the, just the, the one who has the passion in his heart to make sure that they are served and has done so much. We saw both of us when we were, um, at a meeting in Dallas back in March, got to visit the Guidestone building, their offices. And we got to talk to John and even just hear his heart then for Mission Dignity, did a presentation there. And so I was really crushed to hear this, but we are definitely uh, praying. I know that this is is serious, but we're praying for um, recovery and for healing. Absolutely. And uh, if we have any more information on that, we'll bring it to you in a future episode. So that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. I'm going to go back to 1976. I was thinking about doing something about an annual meeting because obviously for the last several years, this has been the annual meeting. Yeah. But tis the season, I did, right? I know. Tis the season. But it's always hey, hard to Two years to ago today. Two years ago today, it was in the uh, the morning briefing this morning, we passed a resolution uh, affirming women at the Dallas. Yes, on the meeting. 100th anniversary of Women as Messengers. So, That's right. So it's very difficult to pick any one thing. And uh, so I just decided to go in a completely different direction and find something random again. So I have the June 10th, 1976 issue of Baptist Press. And if you go down into that issue to about um, its page five, we have another name change conversation that had popped up about the SBC, but it was one I did not expect. So Two of our missionaries, uh, it was actually home missionaries to the United Nations and internationals. So Elias and Nancy Golanka, they got a private audience in New York, I guess, as they uh, were working with the United Nations, with Queen Sophia, Her Majesty Queen Sophia of Spain. And they were talking to her, telling her that Southern Baptists were the largest evangelical body in the United States at that time, uh, counting 12.7 million members. They also told her that the home missionaries preached the gospel in over 30 languages across the U.S. from Alaska to Puerto Rico at that time. And Queen Sophia said, that is wonderful, but why do you call yourself Southern Baptists if you serve the whole nation? Why don't you change your name to Baptist Churches USA? And then the... Um, The end of the article said suggestions two years ago to change the convention's name brought an overwhelming response against such a proposal. And so we've talked about this before that the name change comes up over and over again. And and whenever it does, the response is always. Oh, that's right. But I had no idea that royalty had weighed in on this until I just randomly saw this. 
Her Majesty Queen Sophia of Spain. I had no idea that Spain still had a queen. Queen Sophia, you don't know about her? Well, is she the first? What do you mean, is she the first? You see, you don't get that joke because you don't have a preschooler. Oh, that's right. There's a, that, yeah, that show came after. It okay, didn't, so it, yes. It kind of came uh, after. Sophia yes. the first, Amy. Yeah, I don't, that was, we're a little too old for that one in this house. Sophia the first came after we now, outgrew I, I, Honestly, I had no idea that Spain still had a queen. I, I don't follow Spanish royalty. Yes. So, I, I mean, I've known about Queen Sophia of Spain. I, I'm not quite as big a fan of her as I am of Queen Elizabeth in Shocker. the UK. But I still, you know, I still think Queen Sophia is pretty cool. But she weighed in on it. And uh, I just felt like it was important to register that here. So not trying to bring up the name change conversation again. We obviously, as you said, have had it several times. But I think it's important to mention, since we've talked about it, that Queen Sophia. Also, um, the headline story in that is really interesting. It has facts on church music history. And uh, I've seen a lot of discussion in, uh, in light of the global pandemic about congregational singing and concerns that people have about it and then where, you know, how religious liberty fits into that. I was kind of fascinated to see some of the, the history of Baptists with church music and how there were, you know, English Baptists who opposed singing in public worship and how uh, there were there were just lots of different opinions on this anyway. So it's a very interesting article there. Might as well check that out. But uh, the big one is that Spanish royalty had an opinion about our name this week in SVC history. That's fascinating. So, and, and I learned that there's still Spanish royalty, which... This week in SBC okay. history. You learned yes, that too. So, I did. So there you go. I guess maybe I'd seen that, the Spanish Grand Prix or something with Formula One. They always like show up there. I know that Monaco still has like royalty. Because those guys yes. show up at the the Monaco Grand Prix. Well, right. But I mean, and everything revolves and, around sports in my world. Okay, and so, yeah, and Monaco still has royalty because Princess Grace was, yeah, you know, Grace Kelly. Yeah. I know that one. Married. Okay. Okay. I know that. Okay. One. okay. All right. So yes. Okay. We were going to have problems. Completely out to lunch. Okay. I'm not we completely were gonna... out of it on that. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. That's enough of that. Resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is. Uh, mine is, so there were a lot of, a uh, lot of things online this week in kind of in lieu of, since we couldn't have the SBC annual meeting, there were a number of auxiliary events that still held an event online. So it, it's tough to kind of point to, to anyone, but on Tuesday, Baptist 21 had a, a kind of a double panel. They had a panel of, um, entity leaders, and then a panel of pastors. And so that is is online. It's on um, YouTube. So we'll share the link to that. I was particularly, I thought both panels were very interesting. The first half had Dr. Floyd from the executive committee. It had Danny Aiken from Southeastern, Albert Moeller from Southern Seminary, Jason Allen from Midwestern Seminary. And then it also had Kevin Smith, the state exec in Maryland, Delaware, and Dahati Lewis from NAM. In particular, there were several things that uh, Kevin Smith and Dahati Lewis had to say that really uh, got my attention and just really provoked me to think a good bit. And I think those are, are really worth 
listening to. Uh, but then the, you can stick around for the second hour as well. A lot of leading pastors that uh, that had some some very interesting things to say also. And so that's my resource. All right. My resource is another video. You mentioned that there was a lot of video content this week. Boy, was there. But you and I did a video on we did. gavels. We yes. talked about gavels, Amy. Gavels. Yes, we we did. That was a lot of Maybe fun. Maybe the nerdiest thing that we've ever done. I'm so enjoying That's this. That's saying something, by the way. I, I'm really enjoying that we're in a season where a lot of people are interested in things that I have been interested in for a long time, kind of in the corner by myself. And so it's just kind of cool to be able to talk about some of this stuff. But gavels have been a topic of discussion this week. You're right. So in light of that, we made a video. Yes, we did. We went through all 15 of the gavels that we have at the EC that are part of the collection, talked about each one of them and where it originated. For the ones that we had info, there were three of them that we didn't really have any info on. And we're looking into that. Taffy Hall down at the Library and Archives is helping us out with that, but she's going to take a peek at those and see if we can find out some more information on them. But 12 of them we had information on, so we talked about those 12 and the other three as well. But yeah. uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of informa- a lot of discussion this week on the broadest gavel. There's even a story that J.D. Greer put out about that over at uh, Baptist Press. We'll link to that too. Uh, but you know, gavel talk with Amy and Jonathan felt kind of like uh, the home shopping network or the house shopping network, so to speak. Uh, That's modeling right. those gavels for you as you talked about them. Right. It was a lot of fun because I got to sort of dig into the history of them. And then you you did a fantastic job sort of putting them up for the camera, showing how they looked, how they turned. You did you did a great job. Very, very Vanna White-esque. I got nothing for that, Amy. You can watch the gavel info over at our Facebook page. We'll link to that. And then we also put up a couple of stories. There's one at SBC Life about all these gavels. Kind of a, a goes into the explanations uh, of all of them. There's also a specific article on the broadest gavel from 1939 in the annual. There was an article about the broadest gavel. So we grabbed that and reprinted that over at sbcthisweek.com down in the blog section. So if you just go to the homepage, scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see that article as well. So Gavel Talk with Jonathan and Amy, maybe the the nerdiest thing we've ever done, but it was actually pretty fun. We had a good time. We had a good time. I still want to see the receipts on the Bunyan gavel uh, oak piling from the prison, by the way. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, you not, also threw I'm not something calling in. calling shenanigans on it, but I am saying that's a little bit skeptical. Well, there's one that's like from the bedpost that Adoniram Judson constructed. I mean, that's but a But it pretty- actually looks like a bedpost. But yeah, I get that too. I mean, we just have to take people's word at this, right? Why would anybody lie? Why would they show up and be like, this is from the oak pilings of the prison? I don't know. When I'm it's just saying not, it's just, you know, it's just kind of red. How do you get the oak pilings from a prison though? He obviously knew somebody. Okay, obviously. He yeah. got Red to help him out. He's been known to acquire a few things. Oh, my goodness. You still All don't right. get that reference. I still can't believe you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. I'm sorry. I've not. Okay, this has gone off the rails. Anyway, go watch Gavel Talk with Jonathan and Amy over at the uh, Facebook page. It's actually, like I said, pretty interesting. And um, Amy did a good job explaining all the gavels. And uh, we do appreciate the folks that have watched that and continue to comment on that. So before we go, one thing I need to say that always gets celebrated every year at the SBC. Uh, So friend of the pod, Becca Stone King, 
had her birthday this week, and she usually always celebrates it with thousands and thousands of Southern Baptist friends. But this week, she did not get to do it uh, in Orlando. And also Sarah Rainer's birthday, same day. We had a I'm going photo, I'm going sign of her one year at Southeastern that said I'm going to celebrate my birthday with uh, 10,000 of my closest friends or something like that. So anyway, but because we couldn't meet and do anything there, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Becca Stone King and Sarah. Happy birthday. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, We'll be back here next week with another episode. We'll see you next week. See you next week. 